What's up, guys? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, and we are going to talk on your Wednesday about uh, really a Sunday thing that I didn't get to discuss on Monday's podcast. I think I just forgot about it. And then Tuesday replayed a, a live version, not the live version, but the replay of the Twitch live Monday episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that with Ian McBride yesterday. But I think I need to seek some clarity on some of this stuff. Maybe you guys can hit me up and let me know what you think in a direct message or whatever. Um, like I posted Sunday about Ozark season four, the second part of it and gave some thoughts on the finale and we're like 10 days, 11 days. And I've seen people talking about this thing in pretty deep detail. So I thought it was safe. Is it not? I need opinions. I don't have anyone on today's show with me. So I need opinions from you guys. Like, is it not? I mean, like almost two weeks of a season of a show that you can watch at any moment. There's no like, is there a time window I missed here? I think with movies, because movies are more difficult to get to, obviously it take about a month, but I thought with shows like 10 days to 14 days after that time was a safe space. And if you hadn't seen it, people would be muting words. Like I hadn't, I hadn't seen the, uh, the newest Dr. Strange. So I have those words muted until I go to it this weekend. So I don't know. Was I wrong? I deleted it. I apologized. I think I made some people mad. I didn't mean to spoil the show. I just had figured everybody was eager for it to come out, that they would have watched it by now. I actually thought it was well past the time to discuss. So if I'm wrong, hit me up, yell at me, whatever. I'll take blame for that. Uh, but but I just had to throw that out there. I just think that if you care a lot about a show, you either mute the words on Twitter if you're going to be a spaced out viewer of that show, or you maybe don't, you know, you you watch it quickly because you're excited about it. I don't know. I can accept when I'm wrong, and I think I, I might be wrong on this one. Not entirely sure. Open to feedback. Some mixed reviews on Twitter when I posted an apology, but whatever. Anyway, moving on, a couple things at the OBR's website I think are interesting is the previewing the fifth-year options for the Browns. So due to the 2019 draft not having a first-round player, there's not a ton to worry about in terms of fifth-year options. Actually, the next two that are going to matter – are Jedrick Wills and Greg Newsom. So we updated you on how those work, what the structure will look like, because I haven't really dug into this because there are so many things I'm going to do here, guys. Once I finally wrap up the college series where I take you through the local beat writers, which I have some of those episodes coming later this week, there's a lot of position-by-position things coming in. In those position things, we're going to talk a lot about the players involved and what the future looks like, but it is a wildly important year for Jedrick Wills in terms of determining a fifth-year option of necessity for him. Uh, I think there's a ton of skill with this player, and we'll dig deeper, like I said, later in the summer here. But uh, there's just we had to accentuate the point that there is a lot of importance on the performance of Jedrick Wills this year. And then also Greg Newsom, very early on him, but obviously trending in a great direction. But in the NFL, things can change on on the flip really quickly, so we'll see. But we just wanted to update you on how those work, the money involved, and... Uh, when you have to make your decision by. So Jed's is more pressing than, obviously, Greg's is. And then we also got up an early look at the 53-man roster projection from Andrew Spade as the Browns are kind of hovering toward 90 players. And when you have 90 players, there's going to be a slim-down process that's going to be pretty grueling, as you know, when you get into the summer and all of that. And the Browns have yet to start rookie minicamp, and with that rookie minicamp becomes uh, some decisions that have to be made on guys who are getting sort of those open tryouts and things of that nature. So we'll keep a very close eye on that and probably talk with our own Fred Greetham about what he's seeing at the rookie mini camps and all of that stuff. So that'll come later. Otherwise, the really big piece of news, uh, because there hasn't been a ton, but 
We posted about this over at the OBR, which is that Deshaun Watson's timeline is kind of difficult to navigate here. So what's being reported is that the trial for these civil cases might not actually go down until 2023, April of that time frame of 2023. That's what Ed Gallick of uh, Fox 8 is saying down in Houston, is that the lawsuits accusing him of sexual misconduct now looking like no trial until at least April. We know that the NFL is not going to make... Well, we don't know that, but we, we know the commissioner exempt list is not going to happen. You know, Roger Goodell, late April, had said something on the lines of, we're taking it very seriously. Our investigators are working on that. There's no timetable on it. Still ongoing. We get the vibe that, you know, we're they're not going to wrap anything up until they get a result from the civil cases. And if that is what comes to fruition, they won't have an answer on the civil cases until before 23. So... It is very much alive and well that the 2022 season could be suspension list for Watson, which throws a wrench into everybody's salary cap complaint. That is false anyway, but it throws a wrench into that because 23 obviously would be when the suspension would happen. Now, I think that the Browns and Watson probably would like to, if a suspension is coming, and again, we know they're not going to put him on that commissioner exempt list because of the collective bargaining bargaining agreement that happened in 2020. You know, it's, it's, you got to remember the NFL changed the way that they were going to do that. Goodell no longer assesses punishment. It's a neutral arbitrator chosen by the NFL and NFLPA decides the punishment based on the facts of the case. And it's unprecedented here a little bit because what you're running into is what they're able to prove in terms of, you know, what the intention was of Watson and what he was actually doing, right? Like the situation he was in, with a massage therapist and it's just very murky. And I don't know what the suspension is going to look like because of the no criminal charges and what they're able to find out and what's true. And what's, what's just hearsay. It's going to be interesting. So Goodell had mentioned there's still civil charges that are going on. Our investigators will hopefully have access to more information. That'll be helpful in getting over the conclusion of the facts is a violation of the personal conduct policy, but the determination will be made by a joint disciplinary committee established by the NFLPA and NFL, and she'll make that decision when the facts are all in. We'll see no timetable on that. So we don't know, and, and the determination here from the courts is that the agreement was made that there would be no trial during the season. So while you might want the suspension to end and get that all out of the way, it doesn't feel like 2022 is a guaranteed suspension for the Browns quarterback could be pushed off or it might not happen at all. I don't know. I have a hard time thinking nothing will happen, but we'll see what shakes out. But that's the biggest piece of news of the day for your Cleveland Browns, at least over the last few days. A lot of stuff kind of rumbling out there, but nothing finalized. We do know Jerry Hughes signed with the Houston Texans, so have discussed the clowny situation with several different people. I'm going to do so. I replay my interview here on Cleveland Browns daily because I wanted to share this with you guys because it's good stuff with Nathan Zagura like the 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 idea here is that you would be able to recreate Clowney if they didn't re-sign him through multiple guys a version of him but with Hughes gone it's starting to get thin there are some rumblings about a deal potentially being made in the next few weeks I don't know what that means but that is a big piece of news because Jerry Hughes was a seamless fit, I thought, for what the Browns could need from a veteran presence opposite Miles. So that sort of shrinks a little bit. We'll see. The, I think we need to go through at some point maybe this week on what are the needs and what are the actual wants. Like, I think people want a lot of players, but they you got to look at what the Browns actually need 
to have a successful season. So we'll get into that a little bit more later this week. But Hughes was a guy to keep your eye on. So him going somewhere else does uh, start to tighten the belt a little bit there. Something worth noting. Otherwise, guys, listen, we got a lot going on on the website. We got some some good shows coming up later this week. Uh, I spent about 15 minutes on Cleveland Browns Daily today. I think it was a good interview. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, I want to replay it for you. But uh, otherwise, man, we're going to start really cranking up content. I'm going to talk in this interview about the Deshaun Watson breakdown coming in June and what's to follow that in July for reshaping the Browns offense. So should be a fun series all around, uh, a couple months of content. There'll be some rookie film rooms up this week as well. So thanks for checking out today's episode so far. Let's get over to time spent with Nathan on Cleveland Browns Daily right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply the hotline we go once again we welcome in jake burns from the orange and brown report and the orange and brown film breakdown you can follow him on twitter at jake underscore burns 18 what's up jake hey what's happening thanks for having me man of course man all right where are you right now with this browns roster following the offseason the draft where are you right now and what what do you still want to see happen yeah, I, th- I think it's obviously a very good roster. I think that, that we all are hoping for a couple different things still to happen too, right? Like, I think Jadevin Clowney is still a wildly important player for them and what they like to do as a strong side defensive end and how they use that position to sort of filter their run defense into their pass defense. And if they can get him back, I think that's a home run for both sides. So getting him back would be nice. But you do have some pieces there you like with Alex Wright and, and uh, Chase Winovich and Weatherly and a lot of different names that they've brought in to try to offset some of that stuff. So we'll see if they can get Clowney back. We all think that that would be great for everybody. Yep. Uh, but, but you know, up front in the interior, I think they're going to allow guys to prove themselves. they got the young guys. They've drafted a defensive tackle now in, what, three straight years in middle rounds. So there might be a veteran at play there. We'll see. But for the most part, they seem to want to let these young guys prove themselves. So the defensive line, a couple things that we would maybe like to see, uh, you know, some, some spots added, but linebacker and corner, we know with the draft with 
how they snag Martin Emerson. I'm sure we'll talk about and the safety group and running that back. They're they're pretty set there. And then on offense, I, I think that the only position people have a lot of questions about is wide receiver. But yeah, I, I think that as we continue to to get toward the regular season, we're going to see that there's actually quite a bit of wide receiver talent already here, and and they think these guys are going to be pretty good. What they've brought in, both drafted and undrafted free agents, and and uh, allowing some of these things to organically improve through a new quarterback too. So I, I'm I'm pretty confident that this is going to be a really good football team, and that they can continue to add a couple little pieces when they unlock a little more salary cap and. In, uh, in June with, with Austin Hooper's situation on June 1st, and they'll, they'll probably add some more talent to it. All right, Jake, you mentioned there's some organic improvement due to the quarterback, and I know you are a man of film. I was watching a couple hours worth of Deshaun film a couple of weeks ago, getting ready for a segment, uh, some things we're going to do here at the Browns on that, getting into the film room talking about Deshaun Watson. I was blown away. I mean, I knew he was good, but it's not like I'm out there watching much Houston Texans tape. What are your impressions of him? What does he do well, and what is that going to mean for this offense and Kevin Stefanski? Yeah, it's it's. I think I think what I can tell you is he's really good, but I think you can you can learn this on on your own. I mean, you can watch the latest uh, Nathan. I'm sure you did too, like the building the Browns and just the way these guys are talking about their offense. It's just they feel like it's going to be a a really big change. So I've tried to consume every single snap he's had. You know, back then when he came out of. Clemson I was a believer then and it didn't it just didn't work out and that's how the NFL goes sometimes you get a guy and sometimes you don't but I have not paid like as close attention as you would like to pay attention to a guy I know Deshaun's a very good hyper talented quarterback and there's no doubt about that on the football field he's a heck of a player and and but I haven't broke it down like you'd you'd like to like it was a guy in orange and brown so I went back and tried to consume every single snap he's had in the NFL I'm going to put together in June like a little four-part series about what I think he does really well but to wrap it up, I mean, he does the things you want a guy to do well in modern football, right? He can make plays uh, within structure, and he can make plays outside of structure. So in, as far as the in-structure stuff goes, he's on time. He's, he's, uh, he's very sharp, both pre-snap and post-snap, about where he's going with the football and what the defense is telling him is going to happen for him. You know, there's some really nice interviews that he has done in post-game scenarios where he has gone through and – almost photographic memory told you what happened and why it happened and why he made the decision that he made. And, you know, here's the concept of cover six and here's how it works. And here's why I did this. And he's, he's done that stuff. So he's a very sharp pre-snap to post-snap player who can yeah. make plays within a scheme that gives him an answer, you know, Hey, if come off the play action fake three-step drop. I got this corner out against cover two. I'm going to hit this. He can do that stuff. And he's accurate. The ball's out on time. He can do that, but he can also, extend plays and make plays outside of structure and I know that's something we've all been craving a little bit for a while is a guy who can can make plays when the defense takes it away and make that that concept of there's uh there's scheme recreators which are guys who are just going to recreate what you put on a, on a on a on a whiteboard and do exactly what the defense gives them but then there's guys that when the defense takes away that corner out against cover two or takes away your cover four beater or takes away you know, the, the scheme doesn't get a chance to develop and somebody pressures the quarterback too quickly, he can get out of those situations yeah. and obviously be be unique. And, and, and we know there's, there's a handful of guys in the NFL who can do this stuff. He's one of them. And I think you're going to see a, a night and day difference between, like, being able to recreate and create. And that's just a, a completely different element. That's how drives continue. The third yeah. down and eight, that's how you get those first downs. Every little thing you need a quarterback to do on the field, he's going to be able to do that stuff. And 
uh, obviously is, is earning the respect of people in you know the Browns organization really quickly uh, with with all of this. So they're they're excited, and I think for you know the fans should be excited too about really good quarterback play that's coming. When you see a guy who's completed a higher percentage of his passes than any quarterback in the history of the league, who's you know thrown fifteen hundred or more attempts in the NFL. What does that mean for an offense? And I know some of it means you're extending drives, but for when a guy can actually put the ball where it needs to be for the receivers in stride, what does that mean and what does that do for Kevin Svansky as a play caller knowing that you've got a guy who can really pinpoint the football? Well, I think for Kevin it means he doesn't have to be perfect. Your margin for error is larger. Like what I mean by that, and you're, you're spot on. Like he can – and Kevin does this often. And, and, again, like, you know, Baker, is, Baker Mayfield had some nice – uh, moments in Cleveland too, but just when things went wrong, the inconsistency stuff, like if the scheme allows something simple, Deshaun will do that. He can handle the simple. He can handle the throw in the, you know, the stick route against cover three and the, and the curl flat doesn't get there. In time. He can do that stuff. He can keep you on schedule and keep you out of third and longs. That's what we're talking about. You know, putting the ball where it needs to be to create an opportunity to run after catch, right? or understanding the patience it takes for a scheme to develop without rolling out of the, uh, out of a pocket. Like he can do all of those things on time. And then also is able to like, like I was trying to say earlier, what this does for an offensive coordinator is, Hey man, we called a cover two beater against cover four. And that just didn't work out the way we expected it to, but Oh, he got out of the pocket or he shook off a player who got a pressure on him, stepped up and delivered the football to a tight end in a window we weren't expecting the football to get to. It just it makes everybody's life easier. It makes your wide yep. receiver's life easier. And we talked to this offseason, we talked a little bit to uh to, to Cecil Shorts about this because he'd been down in Houston and around the scenario and like it makes your wide receivers more engaged every single second they're on the field. Hey, I ran my hook route here, but that doesn't mean that just because I didn't get it, it doesn't mean I did I can't get it on a scramble or I'm the third option on this play but that doesn't mean the rock's not coming to me if it unfolds a certain way. That part of it keeps you locked in. Your offensive line margin for error is wider because they can, even if they somehow miss a block, and we know that's not all too common with this group, but if they blow a protection or somebody gives up a quick pressure, you can get out of it. And, right, your running backs become more engaged in the passing game too because if it's not a screen pass or a handoff, they could still get it as a late check down, swing route or flat route or something. So, I think the thing that you always is the game of football for the Browns offense from Kevin through everybody on the field. It just becomes a little bit easier and it just becomes easier because a quarterback can do all of those things that NFL defenses try to do to make it harder. He can keep you on schedule, can keep everybody engaged and make those plays that are so rare that you're like, Holy cow. So that that's my biggest I've tried to tell this to people this offseason. Like yeah. you've maybe watched other offenses in the NFL play and you're like, man, they they make it look so easy. There are gonna be times where as a Brown supporter, you're gonna watch the Browns offense and be like, Oh, I get that now. I understand it because he can do those things. Talk with Jake Burns from the Orange and Brown reporting the Orange and Brown film breakdown. Talked a lot about Deshaun Watson there, one of the receivers we brought in. And I expect this team, Jake, and, and you can tell me if you agree or not, I think we're going to play a lot more 11 personnel this year because it, it suits the talents that we've got now. And Amari Cooper is going to be that receiver for us. We've got you know David Bell drafted now, DPJ looking to take a step, and I think he's been very efficient in his first two years, and you know you hope we get a, a step from Schwartz. But, and, and now Chief is the tight end. How do you see kind of these guys, and I'll, we'll talk Amari Cooper specifically, you know, fitting in here, and, and do you think this is going to be a passing game that really could be exciting to watch yeah absolutely I, I think that what you'll notice is that 
the offense will look a lot different. And what I tell people when I say this is I'm going to try to get to this in July is kind of the difference in what the offense will look like is, you know, a lot of these guys of the quarterback collective group, the Shanahan McVeighs and the branches that come off of that are really, their offense is meant to make offensive football easier for, for quarterbacks. And sometimes though, a good example of this is Matt LaFleur, what he was able to do going from Tennessee where he was, he went from San Francisco to Tennessee uh, obviously, actually, uh, I apologize. He went from L.A. to Tennessee as the offense coordinator. Then he went to Green Bay, and he get Aaron Rodgers, yep. and his offense is different. He does different things for him because that's what Aaron is comfortable with. Like the Browns, I presume, will be running a lot of RPOs and different things that Deshaun is really hyper-efficient with. And with that becomes we need different wide receivers that can do different things. So, like, we have Donovan Peoples-Jones, who we think can play X and can play Z, can play an X vertical route tree route runner. We've seen him do it. We know that – we love the Amari Cooper situation because Amari is so efficient in every role. He can play Z off the ball, be your motion guy, and do different things. He can be your slot guy. He's got experience in three-by-one formations, doing different things out of the slot, the in-and-out go that makes him so tough to cover. He's just so precise. We can also put him in X if we need to. We had David Bell, who we think could be an outside-inside guy, but they referenced this fact that he can be a power slot yep. as a bigger 6-1 body. And like He's a body clone to Amari Cooper, so you can see how the fit there is so good for them. And then, yes, David and Harrison, your two tight ends. I think the uptick you will see is 12 personnel will be a bit more popular for them. They will use some 11 and obviously get Anthony Schwartz. And, you know, people forget Jakeem Grant's got some experience being on the field as a wide receiver, a couple 300-yard seasons. He can do it. And, again, Michael Woods, talented player, can do some things after the catch. They like them. And then I tell you, keep your eye on a couple of these UDFAs who who could be some nice fits as well as some guys who get a chance to, to showcase some things. But what they want is, we want to get some diversity in the types of guys and the movement we can do. You know, if it, We don't want a guy who can only be on the field in 11 personnel or a guy who can only be on the field in 12. They're trying to do some different things. But to your general question and point, I think we see less 13 personnel, as we all can agree yep. the third tight end is a little murky right now in terms of who that will be. I'm sure they'll find a talented answer there. But I think what they want to do is get more speed and more explosives is what they call you know, big right. plays, shot plays down the field. So – in my opinion, it does mean an 11 and 12 personnel uptick, more more athletes, and really it's all on the table for David to have such a big year in Joku. Like, it's all yeah. in front of him, and I think a, a quarterback who has made tight ends really good in his time as a quarterback in Deshaun, so that, that pairing should be a lot of fun to watch. I was just going to ask you about Chief. I, I'm expecting a monster season from him as well. He is so talented. He is going to be, I think, with Deshaun Watson, you see some of the seam balls that Deshaun's thrown in his career and what former Brian you know, Fells did so well down there with him. It just feels like everything is aligned. They loved how much he improved as a blocker, that he's going to get his opportunity to be you know, a guy of, of real consequence as a pass catching and really a complete tight end. Absolutely. And then you're going to get like, I think David has always had to work for his yards, throws that are longer downfield or concepts that mean he had to get separate. I think they're going to be a lot of cheap yards for him. There's going to be a lot of, you know, RPO slide flat concepts where he's in the wing position and they're going to run a little inside zone action and work that outside linebacker. And if you cheat inside, because God forbid you don't cheat inside a little bit to help the run game yeah. with Nick and Kareem, you're going to slide that tight end of the flat and that, go back and watch. David Fell, or, uh, you know, um, uh, Fells, the, the opportunity that he got, um, all these opportunities for the tight ends because you're just so keyed in on, okay, well, they got the speed guys at wide receiver. We've got to make sure we take care of those. We've got to make sure we take care of our run fit in the run game. Oh, man, now they just took that tight end and slice blocked him across and snuck him out. Like, I think 
David will really benefit from cheap yards that turn a season that's 400 yards into 800 yards because he goes from like 50 opportunities to 85, 90 opportunities. And that's just because teams have to hold themselves accountable for all 11 players on the field. That's what makes the modern quarterback, the Mahomes, the, the Josh Allens, these guys, and Joe Burrow to an extent, and Justin Herbert, is they can move a little bit. And you have to yep. respect the leg a little bit. And what that does is it becomes harder for certain guys in, in hybrid positions, curl flat or hook defenders, to, sit, to get there really quickly. Because, you know, again, what's unique in Cleveland is that you got these two running backs in the backfield who, if you don't honor them, they're going to kill you. We, we you know, even a lot have of three of them. Me, like, yeah, I would agree with that totally. And then the rookie's a nice player too. So you start to say, well, okay, can they run from the gun? Yeah, go back and watch 2019 when they ran from the gun a ton with Freddie Kitchens and watch Nick handle that. Nick is Nick and yeah. Kareem are so good they can do any of it. So if you give them – if you don't put the, the right run fit situation together, you're going to get gashed that way. You start to take that away. You start to see the RPO play action game come together, and you sit back and think about that as an offensive coordinator – it's just an endless amount of opportunities that you you really just haven't had, and that's why you feel good about the quarterback situation and what it can do to unlock everybody else. I just can't wait to see this team play some games. We've got a long way to go for that, but Jake, certainly looking forward to your breakdown uh, of this offense and Deshaun Watson, you said, coming out in June. You can follow him on Twitter at Jake underscore Burns 18. We'll have to do this again soon, Jake, because we didn't even get onto the defensive side of the ball, and there's a lot to talk about there as well. Uh, but really appreciate the time and the knowledge as always. You're somebody who absolutely puts in the work, watches the tape, and, and people, I urge you to check out his stuff as a part of the Orange and Brown film breakdown. Again, at Jake underscore Burns 18. Thanks, Jake. My pleasure, guys. Anytime. Thank you again. All right, guys, thanks for checking out today's show. Hopefully you enjoyed that appearance on Cleveland Browns Daily. Ask me on every once in a while, and always a pleasure to go on with Nathan and Crewman as he is set to cover big games from the press box this year as the color commentator to uh, you know the the situation up in the box with Jim Donovan. And so excited for Nathan, man. He is a huge, ardent supporter. He's a great guy for the franchise and does a lot of nice things for for uh, for the Browns organization. And I think he's entertaining and will do a really nice job up there. So. Pumped for him and that opportunity. Thanks for checking out today's episode. Again, some great things going up at the OBR website you should check out. And please take advantage of the Paramount Plus subscription that you get with your OBR subscription. It is a really nice feature, a great way to support journalism through the Cleveland Browns uh, with, with the OBR for essentially free if you already use that product anyway. The same thing with your Amazon Prime Twitch subscription that you can take your Amazon Prime you already pay for Dedicate it to our Twitch channel, and we get 50% of those proceeds to, to continue to support the work that we do weekly on the Twitch episodes that we share with you guys. So consider that uh, a part of your Browns consumption. I think we do a nice job, and I hope you would consider uh, coming along with us and being a member. So anyway, guys, have a great Wednesday. I appreciate you checking in. We'll have some fun guests to end the week on some fun topics. Hopefully knock out a couple of these college prospects that we have not quite gotten to yet including Jerome Ford and Martin Emerson. It is hard to find a Mississippi State person that is willing to talk. Pretty strange. So uh, anyway, thanks for checking out today's episode. Have a great day, and go Browns. Go Browns.